Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. This is Pastor Winfred Burns of Word Worship and Witness Ministries with the Word on Wednesday. And every Wednesday night we've been meeting for about an hour to um, go through the book of 1 Samuel. And the title of our lesson that um, on this journey is uh, Transitions to Transformation. And as we have said before, what, we, what 1 Samuel shows us is how God can take scattered nations and, and corruption and, and because he's called them his people, because he calls us the people of God. He's able to mold us and make us and shape us. Before I get too deep into the review and all that we've talked about in the past, what I want to do is I just want to spend a word, some time in prayer tonight, and I also want to, um, I also want us to be praying for the family of uh, Tommy Ford. Um, you might remember him from the Martin Show. Um, Tommy got a job. You know, everybody wondered where Tommy's job was at. I didn't know him personally, but I've met I met him on an occasion. Uh, I was a fan of that Martin show as well as some of the other shows that he was on. Um, and he was a young black man in his early fifties who has been called home. Um, again, I don't know that much about him, but I do know that uh, he was very very supportive of churches. Uh, I believe he was, um, you know, he he seemed to me to be a saved individual. I don't know anything personally about him. I saw him from a distance. But when I, when I just saw that news just a couple seconds ago, as I was logging on to, um, to, to, to Blog Talk Radio as well as um, on to Periscope to be with you tonight. It just reminded me of how we need to redeem the time uh, because we never know the day nor the hour when not only will the Son of Man appear, but when we will leave this earth. And so the things that we have to do, uh, one of the things that I'm doing right now is uh, I'm procrastinating. I'm procrastinating on some things that I really need to get at. And so it just reminds me, boy, any minute the Lord could call you home and your work will be undone. So I, it, it gives me a it gives me a sense of pause. And then you know, I need, we need to pray about for his family, and we need to pray for one another that we would be about our father's business. The other thing that we need to be in prayer about is uh, all of this stuff that's happening surrounding the election. I just watched. Um, the president of a school that I'm affiliated with, uh, Liberty University, um, get on TV and just just embarrass Christians all over the place. And I'm really, really sad about that because um, I think very, very highly of that institution. But after I um, heard what he said, I'm, I'm troubled. I'm troubled because... Uh, rather than speak truth to power, uh, he spake words that basically um, he, did, he didn't do what he should have done. 
and to all of you pastors and all of you um, ministry leaders and those of you who have influence, uh, our job is not to not to uh, um, try to be politicians. Our job is to be in a position to help steer uh, politicians and those who have that responsibility in government to truth. Um, we don't have to. We don't. Whether you for Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, uh, Bernie Sanders, or any anybody, that's your vote. But when it comes time to to, uh, I think that we need to be more in a position where we can minister to the spiritual needs of all people. And sometimes when we step outside of that realm, what we wind up doing is we get involved get involved in a mud fight. And if you if your church is Republican and you're a Republican leaning church, how can you minister to the Democrats? Or if you're a Democratic leaning church how can you minister to the Republicans that might wander or be a part of your congregation? So our job is never to um, never to get mixed up in that stuff to such an extent that we can't uh, re- uh, speak objective truth, that we can't you know really say what the Bible says. And then when we do uh, reveal what God has said concerning a situation, we have to reveal it has to be revealed from a person who is uh, untainted, untainted by uh, politics, untainted by power, but instead one who is able to speak truth to power. I think the finest example we ever had of that is Billy Graham. Um, I think a fine example of being able to speak truth to power is right now um, Jimmy Carter. I think Dr. King could speak truth to power. Um, I believe that there are others out there who are in positions to do the same thing. And we as a church, we are we are soiling ourselves by getting in worldly mess, and we need to stay out of that. We do need to vote, and I, I'm very, very you know, passionate about voting, and we do need to have opinions about that stuff. But when it comes to ministering, we need to be in a position to minister, and my contention is is that if we get all wrapped up in that mess, we're we're out of we're out of position. So that's me. So let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you tonight. And first, we come thanking you for our brother Tommy Forward and the things that he meant to all. Um. God, how we bless you. God, we come also praying for our country tonight in the midst of this turmoil. It seems that now that we have uh, turned our backs on you and turned our backs to your will and your word and your way, that, God, we have literally sown to the world, to the wind, and we are reaping the whirlwind. And our sins are being exposed before the world. And, Father, we pray right now that you would send sensible men and women, messengers with power and authority to speak truth to power, to speak truth that reaches into the urban areas and speak truth that reaches into rural areas. 
to call the, cause those who know you and the pardon of their sin, to cause those who know and walk according to your will and to your word to come forward, Father, and begin to rebuke those who are out of order within the household of faith first, that we at the church might get ourselves in order, that we might not be not have our lights all muddied and 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 not be able to salt this situation, but instead, Father, through repentance and the power of the Holy Ghost, that we would be able to shine as a light so this country can come out of the dark place that it's now in and, and move toward the light. Father, we thank you for exposing us and our weakness. We thank you for showing us that we're off track. We thank you for showing us that it's we can expect this mess out of the world, but what should come out of the church is truth. And so, Father, for those leaders who have compromised themselves, we cry out to you for them, and, and we ask that your spirit would bring them to a place of repentance, that, Father, that they could be leaders in the church that are worthy, that are worthy of being in those positions, but, Father, we also ask that if it be thy will that your patience has run out with them, then, Father, gently remove them, that others might be able to come forward and lead us out of the messes that we are in in the church. Father, this, this is a, a spiritual attack on your church, and you said that the, the very gates of hell would not prevail against it. So we ask that you would rise up, O oh God, for your church. We ask that, Father, that now that we're not in a position to fight for ourselves, that you would fight for us, that you would send forth warring angels against those spirits that have overwhelmed us and seduced us and attacked us and put us in positions where we are no longer effective. We ask that you would fight for us, O oh God, that you would prevail, that your word would prevail, we ask that you would revive us even in this time of repentance because, God, we, we have to repent. We, we repent. Hallelujah. Help us, O oh God, because we are in, we're in trouble. As the old people used to say, we need you and we're not going to be able to get along without you. So help us, God. Now for this lesson tonight, we would ask that you would just Unveil that which needs to be unveiled. Speak to us tonight. Speak to our hearts that we might know the truth. And more than knowing the truth, Father, that we wouldn't turn our back on truth. We wouldn't turn our back on your word, but we would turn towards your word, that we would follow hard after you in obedience, that we would move by faith, trusting you. In Jesus' name, amen. The other thing I want to do very, very quickly uh, is I want to quickly um, remind you of the gift that God has given for, to you. If you don't know Jesus and the pardon of your sin, if you are not saved, God gave salvation as a gift to you. And all you have to do is by faith appropriate Jesus into your heart. What do I mean when I say that? If you have probably heard the story, if you haven't, it's simple, but this is the truth, that God sent his son Jesus to die for your sins. 
and that if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you believe that God has done this, sent Jesus to die for your sins, if you believe that, then you confess with your mouth and say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus died for my sins, and I ask him into my heart today. I ask him to be my Savior. I ask him to be my Lord. If you pray that right now, I can tell you that you are saved. It says, because with the heart man believeth, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. So if you believe it in your heart and you confess it out of your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God, you can be saved. Then if you do that, I want you to go in search of a Christian, and you won't have to look far for one because God will send one to you. Go in search of a Christian. Go in search of a church. Sit down with the pastor. Sit down with the deacons or some of the mothers and begin to learn about salvation. Begin to learn more about it and what this great gift that God has given to you that you now possess. And then learn to walk with God. Learn to trust him. And watch him change your life. Or, excuse me, not change, transform your life. He's able to do that. Bless God. Won't you do that tonight? Now, let me, for those if you got any questions, you can call me at 929-477-2304, 929-477-2304. Or if you're out there and you're looking at this uh, this, pod, this this podcast, broadcast, whatever they call it, on Periscope, you can just uh, you know type that thing on the bottom, and I'll see it, and I'll try to answer the questions. Okay, so let's just do a quick review. And it's not going to be a quick review because we're coming to the end. And now I'm going to go a little bit slower because I've got to wrap some things up. I've got to tie some things up. And what we want to do tonight is we'll get probably through the first eight or nine verses of chapter 29 because we're going to spend some time just starting to wrap some things up. And last week when I left you, uh, I left you, and we were talking about Saul, and we were coming we're coming to the conclusion of Saul's life. Saul saw the Philistine army that was gathering against him, and he was terrified, and he couldn't get a word from the Lord, and so he winds up going down to a witch in Endor, trying to get a word from the Lord through Samuel. Now, remember, when he last saw Samuel, uh, prior to Samuel's death, um, Samuel had delivered a harsh word to him, and Saul was interested in saving face. And if you don't remember what I'm talking about, um, remember when... um, uh, Saul was given the order to go and utterly destroy the Amalekites. And he failed to do it. You know, you know the scene. What is this bleeding of sheep that I hear? Remember that? Uh, I believe it was around the 15th chapter of uh, 1 Samuel. And we'll turn back there in a minute. But as a matter of fact, let's turn back there now. Well, no, wait. Just, let's wait a second. Hold on. Because, and the reason why I want to wait a second is... From that point on, 
we, we see a continued downward spiral. We remember that because the word says, because you have rejected the word of God, God has rejected you from being king. And the spirit of the Lord left Saul. Remember when we went through that? And one of the things that we talked about is what are the consequences that we face when we fail to obey the word of God? And one of my theses was that when we fail to obey the word of God, we reject God. And in rejecting God, we choose a, path, a godless path. And what we saw last night was the culmination of that rejection. Because when you reject God, when you walk away from God, you walk away from the presence of God. You walk away from the power of God. You walk away from the provision of God. Think about that for a second. Rejecting the word of God, we walk away out of his presence, we walk out of, away from his power, we walk away from his provision. We're kind of like that prodigal son who says, give me what I got going because I want to go someplace else. I want to do it my way. And we wind up, like the prodigal son, somewhere in a pig pen. Now look at what Saul has done over the many chapters from chapter 15 to chapter 29. He has been chasing David all over the place. God has been gracious to him because had he been chasing anybody else and been in, put in the positions that he was put in, Remember, David catches, has him in the cave with his pants down. He could have offed him then. David catches him while he's asleep. He could have did him in then. But David is a Christian. He is a man after God on heart, God's own heart. Let me say that differently because Christianity hadn't come into David is a man who is going to obey the word of the Lord. David is a man that is committed to obeying the word of the Lord. And over the past several weeks, what we've been talking about is David is a man who is in the refiner's fire, and God is about to bring David out as pure gold. And so when we examine the life of Saul, what we see is the consequences of walking in disobedience to the word of God. But even more so, what we see is the consequences of walking after the flesh. And, and we'll, get, we'll go to, get over into walking after the flesh in a minute because we need to make this thing concrete. We've gone through all of this, this, the historical record. We've 
examine some of the, the, the physical and, and spiritual implications of what's going on. We've examined how this ties in to the Mosaic law. But one of the things that, and we've, we've even tried to make sure that we apply these things to our everyday life. But now I want to show, I, I want us to see what Saul has done and where it took him. And if we make decisions based on our flesh, where it will take us. Saul made decisions based on his flesh. And now, now think about this. He, he was disobedient. And we, we know this passage, but I'm going to read it again anyway. It's um, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23. It says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. That's First Samuel fifteen twenty three. So again, we spent time on on this rebellion. It says rebellion, the failure to obey, the failure to put ourselves in line is as the sin of witchcraft. And we know that witchcraft is manipulation. We try to manipulate something in the spirit by our own personal power for our own personal good. So it's not lining up with the word of God. It's lining ourselves up with Satan. I want you to think about that for a second, and I want you to ask yourself some questions, because tonight, tonight is one of those nights where it's not so much about Saul and David as it is about you and I. Have I rebelled? Have I practiced witchcraft? Have I tried to manipulate my circumstances? Have I tried to manipulate God? Because I did not like his word or want to obey his word. Now, somebody's going somebody's gonna to plead that ignorance thing. Stop it. You're not ignorant. Because, you know, I know some folks who will run away from the church, who will not open their Bible, who will not pray because they don't want to hear what God is saying. And I want to say to those people tonight that do that, you're playing with fire. You're playing with fire when you do that. And you're taking yourself down a path. You're taking yourself down a path that will lead to destruction. You need, you need to hear that tonight. I want you to just sit back for a minute. And I want you to begin to search your mind and search your heart. But don't just search your mind and search your heart. I want you to open yourself up and say, Lord, search me. Lord, search me. Lord, search me and expose the rebelliousness of my heart that I might repent of it. You see, and, and the reason why you're going to, you know, some stuff we could see on the surface. We know that the Lord has told us to do certain things, and we haven't done them, and so we say, well, yeah, I know, that ain't no big deal. Yes, it is. And we think it's a little thing. I mean, think about it for a second. 
when when Saul chooses to keep those cattle and and keeps the good stuff of the Amalekites for himself, um, that don't seem like much. I mean, God, you got cows all over the place. What's with these cows? Because that's what the Lord wanted done. He wanted them completely exterminated off the earth. And had Saul did what he was supposed to do, when he was supposed to do it, according to the word of the Lord, because God had determined back in, I believe it was Exodus, that he was going to deal with the Amalekites for their wickedness, and he calls on Saul to be an instrument of judgment over the Amalekites. And Saul says, no, we ain't going to do them like that, Lord. We're going to handle it my way. We're going to let the king live. He all right. He ain't a bad fella. We done beat him. Let him go. Had Saul chosen to do, uh, uh, been obedient to the word of the Lord, David wouldn't be dealing with these Amalekites again in chapter 29. Oh, but Saul chose his own way. And sometimes when God tells us to do something that's dis that, that is difficult, when God tells us to humble ourselves and shut our mouths, when God tells us to love an evil person, when God tells us to do good, to do right, to bring justice, even if it costs us something, when God is telling us to do those things, he's got a purpose and a plan, and the plan is bigger than you. But because he chose you and I to be a part of his plan, there's a lot of importance to what we're doing. And if we don't play our part, then someone else has to come along later on and do it. You think it's a small thing, you putting $10 in an envelope or walking up to some little girl and, and giving her $10 because the Holy Spirit's leading you to do it, and, oh, by the way, that's the $10 that you plan to sock away to do something that you have been wanting to do all along. That $10 might be the difference between life and death for that little girl. That $10 might be the $10 that opened the door to salvation for her. That $10 might be the seed that you need to sow to get that thing that you need later on. That $10 that you give to that little girl might manifest itself into a million dollars for one of your one of your grandchildren or great-great-grandchildren because somebody comes along and pays their college tuition. You don't know what God is doing with you when he tells you to do it. But when you try to do it your way, what you're doing is you're rebelling and you're trying to say, no, God, not your way, my way. I can handle this situation. I can manipulate this situation better than you. And where does Saul wind up? Saul winds up with the witch. Saul winds up with God not being able to speak to him, or excuse me, refusing to speak to him. Saul winds up, can't get a word from God. Do you know what it's like, the silence of God? Oh, God, speak to me all the time. When we look at Saul, we can say that he was a bad guy. But let me tell you something. What you're seeing is you're seeing the fruits of his sin manifesting in his life. I want you to. Um, I want us to stop looking at Saul again and start looking at ourselves. And to look at ourselves, 
I want us not to turn to First Samuel first tonight. This is all a part of a review, by the way. But instead, I want us to turn to the New Test, a New Testament passage where Paul lines this thing up for us real good. Turn to um, Galatians chapter five. Let's let's take a look over there. Grab your Bibles. Come on. And if we get there, if we if we get to uh, twenty nine tonight, we get to twenty nine. If we don't, we just don't. But we gotta, we gotta start kneeling some stuff down. Galatians twenty nine. Um, you know, I tell you what. Every time I get on Periscope, my phones and all that kind of stuff just start acting just as crazy. And I know what that is, but I'm not paying attention to it. If I lose you on Periscope tonight, I'm sorry. Just uh, dial in at um, 929-477-2304, okay? Just dial in because I, I don't have a charger, and it just said that my battery is going bad. Uh, I'm trying to think and turn. And Galatians chapter 5. And I want us to begin to look at... Let's look at verse 16. Paul has been uh, expounding on our freedoms in Christ and what our freedoms lead us to. And one of the things that it teaches us in here is that we live by the Spirit of God. We walk in the Spirit of God. And David chooses to walk according to God's word, uh, in, empowered by God's spirit. Now, now, how can I say that? Remember, when David is anointed, the spirit of God overwhelms him. And because of the power of God's spirit in his life, it's God's spirit that's directing him. Uh, it's God's spirit that's helping him obey the word of God. Do you realize that David was a very, very passionate man? And I'm a man, of, I'm a very, very passionate man myself, although I I kind of try to keep everything under control. I don't try. I don't let my temper get away from me. Uh, I try not to, you know, get too demonstrative publicly. But basically, I'm a very, very passionate man, and I can get mad. I can get angry at something. I can get very, very happy about something. Uh, I can get very, very determined in some things. And so I have to watch myself. And passionate people have to watch themselves that they are always surrendering all of their passions and all of their emotions to God because, let me tell you something, we can get carried away and we can kill somebody quick. We can hurt somebody with our mouths quick. We'll take a position and think we're taking a good stand and we're taking an ugly stand and we're judging and we're indicting and we're ready to do folk in. And the reality is, God ain't got nothing to do with that. That's nothing but us in our flesh. And so David, as a, a passionate man, uh, it took the spirit of God controlling him and all of his passions to keep him from killing Saul. That was the Holy Ghost. That wasn't David. David, you know, when David got in the fight, when you turn David loose in the fight, oh, some heads was going to roll. He was nobody's punk. But when the power of God, when the spirit of God is controlling you, 
and, and you surrender yourself to the Spirit of God, the thing that happens most more than anything else is that you are a man under control. Now, one of these days, God going to release some of this passion and some stuff going to be cleaned up his way, not my way. Because, you know, I'm one of those guys that, hey, if you if you, if you committed a murder or something like that, it's like, hey, I for an eye, you got to go. Isn't that what Robin Harris would say? Got to go, got to go. But God is not, that's not God. That's not God. And so one of the things that, that, that when we walk after the spirit of God, we are spirit controlled. Let me, let me read something. Go to uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, live by the spirit. What we've witnessed over the past uh, about 10, 12 chapters is David's life in the spirit. What I'm asking you tonight is, are you living by the spirit of God? It says, so I say, live by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Or if I was reading King James, it would say, the desires of the flesh. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. Now, when they talk about the, 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 the sinful nature, what they're talking about is the very nature of man, the unregenerate, unsurrendered nature of man. And we all have that. We all have that. Our, 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 our nature is against God. That's right. Our nature is against God. In the unregenerate state, our nature, is the, our, our natural tendency is to do ungodly things. You don't have to teach a baby how to lie, do you? Mm-mm. Automatically, they do something wrong, and the first way, I didn't do that. Now, they know they did it. Who talked them? Who talked that cover up? That's in our nature. And so what what he's saying here is that it, the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. So that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now. I need to explain that real quickly. You are not under the law that says the man that sins shall surely die, but you are under grace. Now, one of these days I'm going to teach you the difference between um, the, the, the law and the moral code, because in the moral code starts in with the Ten Commandments, by the way. Um, because there's a law. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That's a law. And what it says is that, um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it kind of quick, and it, it basically says that those whose sins are not covered by Christ, those are the people that are walking under that law of sin and death, that law that requires their sin to be rewarded with death. Okay. We're not under that law if we're saved, if we've given our life to Jesus Christ. That part of the law has been fulfilled through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So our sins have been paid for. But 
we are still under obligation to walk upright according to the moral code or the law that Moses gave us concerning how we are to live toward God and toward each other. We're still bound by that. God didn't dismiss that. Honor our mother and our father. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one, and thou shalt love thy Lord, the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. We're still under that. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's ox or ass or any of his stuff. We're still under that. And the lie that comes from the pit of hell is that, no, that don't count anymore. Wrong, wrong, wrong. That wasn't wasn't what Paul was talking about. And he even said the law of sin and death. Okay, that, Jesus fulfilled that. He took care of that all. And one of the things that we're doing wrong, and the reason why our country's in such turmoil right now, is that we fail to teach the moral code. Our children are failing in morality. Our churches are immoral places. Our pastors are practicing immorality. Why? Because when we say that we're under grace, we think that grace releases us from the responsibility of walking upright before God. Paul even says, what shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul asked that question. And look at me. Then got off, the, um, got off track. Let me keep going. I'm sorry. Because what I want us to do is I want us to have a way that we can make sure that we don't live a life like Saul. Here, let me keep reading. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, verse 19, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So if you examine your life and you see that these are the elements that are being produced by your life, let me read them again. The acts of the sinful nature, if your nature is out of control, and these are the things that are being manifested, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Impurity. Now, sexual immorality, I have to go over that. All you got to do is go look on the TV. You see it all over the place. You know, I mean, it's just, you can't watch a television show. You know, I'm... I'm I'm not big on them love stories and stuff. I like shoot 'em ups. I, I really do. I like Sylvester Stallone and 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 Wesley Snipes because hey, them guys gonna be on there and they cutting people up and you know beating everybody up. I just I like that kind of stuff. But even in my shoot 'em ups, I mean, it got to go. Oh, they just got to go there all the time because you know we live in a society that is engrossed in sexual immorality. And our children think that, oh, this is just this is this is the way things go. So subsequently we got twelve year olds getting pregnant and doing things that that my goodness, I didn't even know that that, that you could do stuff like that when I was thirty five, forty years old. 
And these, these, these youngsters that are not even teenagers are getting involved in stuff like that and not having a childhood and not being allowed to develop and not getting a moral foundation. They think that this is normal. They think that it is normal to steal, that everybody does it. Our politicians don't, you know, they can't tell the truth from a lie. I get up here and I see all of these people that are saying that they're evangelicals or, or I'm a Christian and, 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 and she lied and, and he raped everybody, but that's all right. No, it is not all right. And so we start with us. Are we, does our life represent sexual immorality? Does it, it, it represent impurity? Are you walking morally upright according to the word of God. When we say impurity, we're talking about moral uncleanness. That's impurity. Are you fit? Is your life fit? Are you fit to come into the presence of God? Are you fit? You see what I mean? Are you, are you living a life that you don't have to, oh, if, if this was before Christ, before Christ, are you living a life so fit that you can walk into the temple and worship without stopping at the gate by the priest and offering up a sin sacrifice? Hmm. Oh, wow. Debauchery. Now, what that word basically means is, is are you living a lifestyle that's always all about pleasure? It's all about the party. It's allowing yourself to be led into areas of intense partying. That's what debauchery is, that you are controlled, that you live in for the party. And that at the party, you're the one that's bringing the good stuff. And I'm not just talking about, are you living a life that, that, you're so, that, that, that partying and, and revelry is so enticing that you're walking in with a pocket full of cocaine so you can practice uh, uh, sniffing and, and you've you got to have your drink a drink and all of that kind of stuff? Is that what the result of your life? Are you working five days a week for, for Friday, and Friday night and Saturday night and all the mess that go on, and then you stumble in the church on Sunday saying, if we confess our sins, he faithful and just and forgive our sins and leave them. No, 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 no. I'm glad you're coming, but we've got to get out of that lifestyle, and God will deliver you from it, by the way. Unrestrained speech, sinful lifestyle, that's debauchery. Are you a jealous person? What is, a, what is a jealous person? Basically, a jealous person is one who makes war upon the good of others. So somebody trying to do something right, and you st you just so uh, it just irks you so bad that you're gonna you're gonna go around talking about them. You're gonna go around tearing them down. Is that what's in your life? What else is it? Was it? Look, read it again. It says debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, manipulation, hatred. Come on now. You know you hate. You know when you are a hateful individual. You can't stand nobody and can't nobody stand you. Just walk around looking for a fight. Discord. Can't get along with nobody. Nobody can't get along with you. Fits of rage. Nobody come around you because any minute you're so touchy and ticky that you that you about to go off on everybody. Uh uh. 
that's not of God. And if you look in the mirror and you see that stuff, then you know what you need to do? You need to do what Saul wouldn't do, and that's fall on your face before the Lord and say, uh-uh, Lord, you didn't put this in me. Mm-mm, just a mess I grew myself. We got to deal with this. We got to deal with this. You need to be on your face about that. Oh, and by the way, I'm on my face about my stuff. Because as I looked in the mirror, and that's what uh, that's all this Bible is. This is a mirror for me. When I look in the mirror and I see something that's not right, the first thing I got to do is, oh, no, 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 no. Not this brother. We ain't going down like that. And Jesus has provided a way. And Jesus has opened up an access to forgiveness. Oh, <laughs> look. So what do we do if we find ourselves? Look at verse 25. No, 24, excuse me. Well, I'm going to read 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus has, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. What we, what those of us who follow after Christ, who belong to Jesus, what we did when we placed our trust in him is that we repented of our sins. And now if we find ourselves in a position where those nasty things from the flesh are materializing, we put that stuff on the cross. We are reckoning it dead. We are giving it to Jesus. We are casting it upon him because he's already died for it. We're saying, uh-uh, Lord, I got some stuff in me that don't belong to me, and I, I renounce it. I renounce sexual immorality. I renounce lasciviousness. I renounce debauchery. I nail it to the cross of Jesus. I curse it at the root. I bring it up under the control of the of Jesus Christ himself. I surrender all of this mess to you. I surrender to you, O oh God. Your will and your way, not my will, God. In the name of Jesus. It says, those who belong to Christ have crucified, have crucified they reckon it dead. They put it on the cross. They give it to the Lord. They cast it away from themselves. They give themselves over to God and say, God, Lord, I need you. Lord, I love you. This ain't none of you. This is the devil. This ain't none of you. This comes from my flesh, and in my flesh I find no good thing. My way is not your way, God. My thoughts are not your thoughts right now, God. And so I surrender them all over to you in the matchless name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's what we have to do. That's what we have to do. Those are passions and desires. Passions and desires are burnings and longings. And they're those of us. And notice I say us and not you, us, because I'm just a man. There are, there are burnings and longings. Burnings and longing for stuff, unnatural yearnings for things, for possessions, for power, for people, for positions. 
Those are, those are, that doesn't come from God. And so it has to be crucified. Those things that are not of God, those things that do not glorify God, those things that are not uh, a part of the vision of God for your life that he's given you, and you find yourself constantly straining after them. They could be material things. You're constantly chasing a bigger house. You're constantly chasing a bigger car. You're constantly chasing promotion. You're constantly chasing recognition. Those things are not of God. If it does not glorify God, if it does not, uh, uh, if it's not of faith, then it's of sin, because it emanates from your flesh. That's what we see in Saul. Things that emanated from his flesh. So what do we do? Let me just wrap this up, and then I'm gonna move a little bit into. I'll have about ten minutes to set up next week. One. You look in that mirror of Galatians chapter 5 and you see that you're not manifesting the fruits of the spirit but instead you're manifesting the works of the flesh. I need you to do the same thing that I have to do. Surrender yourself to Christ anew. Get on your face. Get on your knees and begin to, to talk to God and just I surrender. God, I surrender. I've tried to do this thing on my own, and I make a mess. I've made a mess of it, but I surrender, God. Hallelujah! I surrender. Secondly, as you surrender it, reckon it dead. Reckon it dead. That's dead in my life. I'm not going to give any power to it, Father. By the power of Your Spirit, by the power of Your Spirit, fill me. See, that's the third thing. Surrender. Put this thing on the cross and ask God to cleanse you. That's number two. The third thing is be filled with the Spirit of God. Surrender yourself in such a way and ask God for a new infilling. God, fill me up all over again. Fill me up all over again. And then fourth, keep in step with the Spirit of God. Begin to, you know, it, it's indicative of a bad prayer life, a bad word life, a bad worshiping life, a bad faith life. Your faith has not been built properly. Those are all, that, that, that's all there. That's all there. And so when you keep in step with the Spirit of God, it's, it's like you constantly asking God, this way, God? What you say, God? Do I, do, 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 this the way you want it done, God? You're constantly in communication, constantly surrendering yourself, constantly asking God and, and putting everything before the Lord, seeking his will and his way. Seek out the Lord in the thing. Oh, God. Saul didn't do that. But if we look at the life of David through these past, I'm going to say, ten chapters, that's what we constantly see. We see a, a, a man who, they describe him as a man after God's own heart, but we see, we see David constantly trying to get in touch with God, staying with him, following hard after him. That's what we want to do. We don't want to 
next week as we go into the final parts of uh, Saul's life, we'll, we'll see what happens to him. Because one of the things that we, we don't like to deal with is the judgment of God. And all of us have to sit before God, in judgment before God. And good news about those, those of us who are saved, we're being judged for rewards, not for punishment. And even in get, being judged for rewards, boy, something when you realize that all of the things that you could have achieved in Christ but didn't, but didn't, or all of the things that you yielded yourself to his spirit and obeyed his word and walked by faith and all of the things that you did do that was uh, aligned uh, and rewarded by Christ. That's going to be a day. Sad for some, a time of rejoicing for others. But for those who don't have Jesus in their life, guess what? What do you say? Sheep to the right and goats to the left, to the lake of fire with those who never believed, never accepted the gift of God in Jesus Christ. Let me just... I've got seven minutes. I'm just going to open up chapter 29 uh, so I can say that I started it. And we're going to move over to 1 Samuel 29 real quick. Ooh, I believe that the Lord is he's speaking tonight. Uh, I don't think I, I think he'll let me do this, just a little bit of this, because um, I think we've had a lot tonight. I think a lot of us tonight are, are sitting back and we're like, wow. I gotta go check myself, and I, and I mean, and don't feel like you know, if, as you're checking yourself, I want you to know that uh, that's what we're all to do. That's what we're all supposed to do. Uh, let me just read the first um, six or seven verses from chapter 29. Get us all set up for next week. The Philistines gathered all their forces at Aphek. And Israel camped by the spring in Jezreel. As the Philistine rulers marched with their units of hundreds and thousands, David and his men were marching at the rear with Achish. The commanders of the Philistines asked, What about these Hebrews? Achish replied, Is this not David, who was an officer of Saul, king of Israel? He has already been with me for over a year, and from the day he left Saul until now, I found no fault in him. But the Philistine commanders were angry with him and said, Send the man back that he may return to the place you assigned him. He must not go with us into battle, or he will turn against us during the fighting. How better could he regain his master's favor than by taking the heads of our own men? Isn't this the David they sang about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David is tens of thousands. So Achish called David and said to him, As surely as the Lord lives, You've been reliable, and I would be pleased to have you serve with me in the army. From the day you came to me until now, I have found no fault in you. But the rulers don't approve of you. Turn back and go in peace. Do nothing to displease the Philistine rulers. But what have I done, asked David? What have you found against your servants from the day I came to you until now? Why can't I go and fight against the enemies of my lord the king? Asius answered, I know that you have been 
as pleasing in my eyes as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the Philistine commanders have said, He must not go up with us into battle. Now get up early along with your master's servants who have come with you and leave in the morning as soon as it is light. So David and his men got up early in the morning to go back to the land of the Philistines, and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Now, what you, what you see in this passage is, uh, in 29, the first part, is God rescuing David. God rescues David by giving him a release. By giving him a release. Because, and, and it's all a part of God's plan. Because a couple things. Number one, if David had been permitted to march with the Philistines against Saul, the Philistines would have been in a bad way because David was not going to lift his hand against God's anointed or his people. Remember, David is already in the background fighting for God's people. Remember, David is going out on raiding parties and he's taking back already what the enemy had had taken from 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 the people he's finishing up the work of Joshua when Judah couldn't take over those areas David is going along and he's taking those cities and burning out those people David is already remember our chapter on undercover brother David is the undercover brother but the Philistines now this the other thing is you the reason why the Philistines uh, don't want him there is because they've experienced this before. Go back to chapter 14 when Saul is fighting against the Philistines. What happens? The Philistine armies had defectors from Israel in it. And when Jonathan took that garrison and the Philistines began to run, the, he, the Israelites that were in the Philistine army turned on them. And there was such confusion and such slaughter. And the Philistine rulers, the four Philistine rulers said, Oh, no, we know that play. We've seen that before. It ain't happening. Let's stop right there. I'll pick up next week. Let's have a word of prayer and closing. God, we thank you. God, we bless you. God, we glorify your name, for you are good. Tonight, Father, we don't want to be like Saul. Mm -mm. We don't want to walk down that path. We don't want to have our lives oh, separated from you in such a way that we cannot hear your voice. We can't get a word. We can't get a prayer through. We don't want that. We don't want the fruits of our flesh our desire is the fruits of our, the Spirit. So, oh God, in the midst of lives, we ask, we come to you surrendering, asking forgiveness, repenting of our sins, asking you to cleanse us, to touch us within that we might be clean and wash us, that we might be whiter than snow. Create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. 
Touch us, O God, and then fill us with your spirit. Strengthen our faith and our obedience in you. God, how we love you and how we praise you, how we long for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's our word on Wednesday. Uh, I pray that you'll be with us again next week. Uh, Chapter 29, we'll continue on and to see where this thing is going to end up. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. This has been Pastor Winfred Burns with The Word on Wednesday. God bless you.